Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Uh, John was saying before he hates clocks. Uh, just earlier on in the year, we we're over in the Solomon Islands together. And he told me in, in, in Africa where he comes from, he said, the preacher preaches for three hours. This is what he said. He said, if you don't preach for three hours, then everybody thinks you don't have anything to say. I said to him, in Australia, if you preach for three hours, nobody knows what you said for the last two hours because they've all gone home. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Just cut that thing down. And uh, no one's listening anyway if you go for that long. So maybe that's Australia. Listen, if you come from Africa and you're in Australia, I know you've taken on Australian understanding of that. I know you're walking out with every other white person, with everyone else in the house. We're all gone. So enjoy your three hours preach. Anyone glad I don't preach for three hours? Can I have an amen in the house? John, why are you clapping? You're the one that told me to preach for three hours. Awesome. Hey, it is good to be in the house of God this morning. Listen, I really want to get very, very practical today. Listen, if I say something that offends you today, uh, please let the Holy Spirit speak to that. If I say something that you feel is directed at you, I want to be really clear. I'm happy to preach facing the other direction. If it makes you feel like I'm not pointing at you, because I don't want to point at people today, I pray, Holy Spirit, just anoint that this message would speak to everybody in the room for our lives, for the importance of what this is. Listen, we've been speaking around relationships. And uh, as I said just a couple of weeks ago, Wendy and I celebrated 26 years of marriage. Um, I would love to say 26 years of happy marriage, but that would be a lie. And I don't like lying from the platform. There's been times in our marriage when things were tough. Listen, if you sit in the room and you've had tough moments in your marriage and you feel alone, don't. I'm looking across this room. I know every one of us that have been married, whether we've been married for 15 seconds or not, sometimes marriage is tough. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes we hurt each other. Sometimes we say the wrong stuff. Sometimes we misinterpret what everyone else is saying and it just becomes so difficult. And, and listen, the power of marriage is the power of working it through. If you're not married in the room, listen, this message today is not, is not, not for you. This message today is still for your life because I want to talk around relationships, whether it's marriage, whether it's friendships, whether it's just a, a budding, fresh relationship in your life. Whatever that is, I want to speak around that when I'm speaking to marriage and we've been speaking to relationships and love. We've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I tried to squeeze it all into one message and I didn't even get close and I had to just take a pause mid-message, otherwise I was going for three hours, let me be clear. And I had to take a pause mid-message, I want to pick it up again today. Uh, hopefully some of you have read through uh, Corinthians 13. Uh, listen, Corinthians 13 and this passage of Scripture from 4 through to 7 is one whole conversation that needs to be brought together in that. And I'm going to do a little recap and I'm going to go on from that point. Uh, because it's, it's one of those conversations that you need to have the whole context of it. Uh, if you're a husband in the room, give me a wave if you're terrible at getting part of the con context of what your wife says. And halfway through the conversation, you miss the rest of the conversation because you get caught at the start of the conversation. Listen, I can speak to this today because I'm an expert. I'm an absolute expert at this. I'm an expert at the one that Wendy starts speaking 
And I get caught right there. She continues speaking, but I'm still stuck at the thing at the beginning of it that annoys me. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, I'm not a very uh, animal person. Uh, I love animals. I love fish. It tastes so good. Uh, I love cow. It tastes awesome. I love deer. It tastes amazing. I love goat. It's incredibly tasty. But that's my understanding of loving animals. My wife loves every animal. She just loves just every. If my wife had a way, we would have a zoo at our house. You know, she loves cats. She loves dogs. I hate them all, but she loves them. And I remember a little while ago, we had a dog that was incredibly injured and I sort of hoped that it would die. I didn't die, but it was incredibly injured. So she takes it to the vet and she rings me up and she says, oh, this dog's going to need X, Y, Z happened to it and it's going to cost this amount. Now, I'll be honest, I paused right there in the conversation. And this is why I paused. I started thinking in my head, whereabouts will I dig that hole to bury that dog in the backyard? Over next to that tree, it'll help that tree grow. She's still talking whilst I'm thinking about digging the hole. I was on my way to go get the shovel and she's still talking. Listen, the rest of that conversation went along these lines. But I can actually work with the vet. If you don't know, Wendy by trade's a vet nurse. I can work with the vet that's going to make it incredibly cheaper. And then if I work with a vet a couple of weekends, I can pay off the rest of that money. I missed that because I was still stuck on the dig in the hole in the backyard moment. And listen, can I have a husband in the room that's got caught in a conversation like that? Can I have someone in the room that would dig a hole and bury the dog as well? It's going to cost money. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Nick, brother, that's why we are knit at the heart, my friend. We don't just look alike, we're the same. Can I borrow your shovel next time? Yep, awesome. Okay, let's get back to the Word of God. I've lost a few people in, in dog hatred. Listen, this passage is one of those passages you can't stop at the beginning. This passage is one of those passages you can't go, I like verse 4 but I don't like verse 7. It's not one of those ones that you can get caught at the beginning and just camp there and stay there. Listen, we, we need to wrap this whole thing together and I'm going to do my absolute best to do that today without preaching for three hours. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through to verse 7. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Whether it's prophecies, they'll fail. Whether it's tongues, they'll cease. Whether it's knowledge, it will vanish away. Listen, we can go on that scripture, but I know for certain I won't get past verse 8 today. Uh, let me just say, if, we, if we're talking about marriages... Love in marriage can never be one-sided. Can I be really clear about, can, can you just join me, my dear wife? I know you don't like feel like getting out of your comfortable seat. This marriage doesn't, doesn't work effectively if Wendy loves me, but I only love me. It doesn't work like that. It, it is impossible. And, and I want you to read through these verses and what we're going to open up in these verses with a picture of understanding, if it just is existing where Wendy loves me and I love me and not her, this marriage will always 
end in brokenness. It will always, no, no matter how much she loves me. Listen, she can stay with me through stupidity for a long period of time, but in the end, it's going to be broken. Love is always two-sided. God's love reaches out for us and He wants us to re-engage back with Him with love. Wendy loves me and she needs to make a functional marriage me to love her back. It's a dysfunctional marriage with one-sided love. It's a broken marriage with one-sided love. You can stay in it, but it's going to be broken. This is challenging. Listen, for that reason, when people come and see me and they say, listen, I love my, my wife or my husband and we've done marriage for a long time and now it's fallen apart and we want to get it back together. If there's no re-engaging with love, it's always impossible to pull that back together. There has to be a re-engaging from both sides with love. 26 years of marriage. And, and listen, our marriage wasn't always perfect. And I'm not saying now it's perfect. But at times that it, was, that it was challenging. Our first couple of years of marriage honestly were very, very difficult. We had two totally different belief systems. Two very, very stubborn people. Two. <laughs> One more stubborn than the other, and I'll let you pick who that is. <laughs> Listen, two people that brought their baggage to a relationship. Two people that needed God to do some healing in our hearts and our lives so that we weren't looking at each other through the guise of our own brokenness that could come together. Two, two, two that brought past history and thinking around relational world together. And that becomes difficult to really blend. And we've had to blend together to become one in this relationship. I wish becoming one happened when I slid a ring on her finger and just did that. I wish that was the becoming one and it was the end of it. Oh my Lord, life would have been easier. But becoming one was a mending together of hearts. And listen, thank you, my dear wife. You may go back to your seat. I want you to, I want you to look at this in marriage. In friendship, in relationships with the guys of love being two-sided and coming together because that's actually love at its fullest. Love at its fullest. Now, I want you to remember this. Paul is des describing not white Western culture picture of love by a, a stupid language of English. Not, not, and we've talked about this. We understand the English language is so limited and dumb and it has caused Western culture to twist thinking around love. He is not talking about lust. He's not talking about sex. He's not talking about just living your own outworking of how you feel on a date. He's not talking about those things. He's talking about agape. He's, and he's painting a holistic picture of what this word means, this agape, God love. And I want to backtrack just briefly. He says, Love suffers long. We're going to come to that in a few moments. And is kind. Love is an action word that is shown and not said. Love is kind. There's an activation for your life when you love somebody. Love does not envy. I want to bring, uh, uh, go back to what I made the statement of a, a number of weeks ago. This word envy here literally means to boil over with negative passion. He says this love does not boil over with negative passion. He's, he's saying this statement. Everything we've learned in Western culture over the last 50 years that love means you can go and have sex with whoever you feel like you can have sex with is not this love that Agape is covering right here. It is not negative passion. 
Listen, can I speak to young men for a moment in the room? If you're a young man in the room, can you hear what I have to say today? Listen, we have a culture right across the globe where young men believe they can go and be promiscuous and have sex with as many women as they want and they feel like that that is just passion and how I feel and it's just I'm pleasing myself and one day I'm going to settle down and I'm going to marry the woman that I love and we're going to think that that's all okay and that's great. Listen, there's a reason why he says don't have that negative passion in your life. If you're outworking your life that way, listen, you are training yourself for divorce. You are training your future for broken marriage. You are training your future for brokenness. And if God doesn't come and heal your heart, God doesn't come and heal your mind, brokenness is in your future. If you want to outwork your life that way, that is the outworking that will be the outcome without the healing of God in your heart and life. That culture needs to be squashed. That culture is filled with lies and deception. And Paul writes right here, he says, Love does not Envy, and this word here does not live in a promiscuous outworking of negative passion in your life. Listen, that stuff leads to a deep curse of jealousy. I've watched young men that have been promiscuous and they get together in a relationship and they are constantly jealous about even their girl talking to somebody else because they've trained themselves in a thought pattern that their girl would be like them. Lying, manipulative and broken in their thinking. And she's a wonderful young woman trying to live a life and this doesn't come together. It doesn't. God needs to heal it. If that's you, get healed in your mind, get healed in your heart and get healed in your life. Again, I'm not talking to anyone particularly in the room. I'm just preaching Christ and the Word of God today, if I may. Love does not parade itself and is not puffed up. Those two things intertwine with the reality love is not about self. If I want to love somebody, it's not about just myself being pleased and whatever I want and whatever I need. It just gets my life. It's not what love is about. It doesn't inflate itself. That, that two words, they talk about inflating who I am in this situation. What am I getting out of love? Listen, I want to remind you, Paul is writing to a broken people. He's writing to the church of Corinth. That is, people that have come out of incredible brokenness, Gentiles that have come back to Christ. Listen, sometimes out of promiscuous living, sometimes out of broken relationships prior. If you're in this room and that has been your past, I am grateful for the grace of God that heals areas of our life. If that is you, I encourage you, keep giving your mind and your heart to be renewed in Christ so that you can build the right belief system and thinking around who you are because God can do that. He can heal and deliver. Praise God, He does. He goes on and says, Love does not behave rudely. Love doesn't allow bad behavior to be a part of our life. You know, sometimes we just think, Oh, this is me, this is my thing. Listen, we need to change. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. Again, we come back to that picture of selfishness. Love is not provoked. I talked about this last week. This word provoked means to have this sharpening, this sharpening of words. So, so the word here is actually talking about how we would respond to a situation. Wendy, can I borrow you again? I'm sorry, my beautiful wife. I can respond to her in two ways. I can respond to sometimes her bad behavior with a, which... I probably should get somebody else up here because that would never be Wendy. 
Deb. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I can respond with, my dear wife. That is the wrong. Or I can respond, Wendy, what do you think? There's a difference in my response. One is sharp. Listen, one, Wendy doesn't like being patronized as well as I don't like being patronized. One, one, I have to make sure that in my approach to a situation, I'm approaching, hey, babe, can we just think about this a little bit? Is this really the best? Wendy doesn't like to be told what to do at all, so I've got to approach it really gently. <laughs> so, all my true secrets are coming out. Is this the best way to walk through this? Or I, can, or I can attack it. Listen, attack it never works. Especially attacking a strong person. And he says, he says, don't, yeah, don't be provoked or provoke. And we have to be aware of this. Husbands in the room, our response to our wife, the, the, the tone. You say, I didn't say anything. Your tone said everything. And a woman reads tone. A woman does. And listen, your tone can cut her heart even though your words can be seemingly nice. And you have to be so careful of that sharpness of who we are, the sharpness of the people that are in our life. And this woman doesn't deserve sharp. This woman of God, whom I am blessed to have shared most of my life with, doesn't deserve sharp at all. And sometimes I've given sharp, and it hasn't brought the right response. <laughs> it hasn't brought this togetherness. It's brought pain separation in that he says don't be provoked just listen there are moments that we're going to be provoked if you're with somebody long enough they will provoke you but don't be sharp in your outworking of those things make sure he's saying here love doesn't be thank you my dear wife provoked in the outwork and can I add to that listen dads be careful in your language and I've said this before to your sons be careful in your language of how you would speak with tone to them. Be so careful in how you would speak to your daughters. Be so careful that your provoked sharp words don't cut a hole in her soul that she tries to fill with a boyfriend. Be so careful about how those words come out of your mouth. He says, thinks no evil. If you go back to the meaning of this word, this word means uh, to make sure that you don't keep a record of wrong actions. Don't keep a record of wrong actions. I read a meme during the week. I apologize to every woman in the house. I didn't write this meme. I read a meme during the week, and it was a woman down in a hole digging as an archaeologist and said, women make the greatest archaeologists because they're awesome at digging up the past. I didn't write it. Just fit it into my message. I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't necessarily agree with it. Thinks no evil. Doesn't keep a record of wrong. To all the women in the room that are going to keep that record of wrong against me, please forgive me. Love doesn't live in past failures. Can I add to that? Just two minutes ago isn't a past failure. It's you being an idiot right now. I just want to add to that. He goes on, he says in verse 6, and we finished at verse 5. He's in, in verse 6, he says, Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. If you don't know what this word iniquity means, it means unrighteousness. It means to cause hurt to your life and to people around you. Uh, it's a violation of God's standard that causes a deep hurt to your heart and to your soul. 
This work of iniquity is not an, an outward thing. It's an inward outworking that happens in your life when sin is outworked in your life. Understand this. When I sin, when you sin, the greatest hurt is to our soul and to our spirit. The greatest hurt. When we do things that are sinful, we think it just hurts somebody else, but the greatest hurt is on the inside of us. Repentance coming before God is first and foremost a healing of our internal hurt from the sinful actions of our life. He says this, love does not rejoice in iniquity. Listen, if I love Wendy, I should never rejoice in my sinful actions that would cause hurt to hurt. Here's a a struggle that I see in culture right across the globe. I see a struggle in culture that husbands can be so hurtful to their wife and continue to say, I would love that woman. It comes, again, from an outworking in early years that has broken their thinking of love and their understanding of how love should be outworked. Now, if I love my wife, I should never be rejoicing in pornography. If I love my wife, I should never be rejoicing in adultery. If I love my wife, I should never be rejoicing in abuse. These sinful actions cause deep hurt to her and deep hurt to my soul. We have a generation of men growing up with a twisted, broken soul. They come to Christ and they need Christ to shift the whole thinking because they've rejoiced in pornography. They've rejoiced in, in, in promiscuous living and they come to marriage with a broken understanding of their lives. Causes divorce, causes brokenness, and God needs to heal it in the hearts of men and women right across the globe. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Listen, my wife, I don't want you to keep a record of my wrongs, but I'm going to keep wronging. Listen, those two are not apart. They tie together. We're going to spend some time on this whiteboard, and I'm going to bring this all together because it's tied together in the end but rejoices in the truth, he says in verse 6. This generation hates truth. Hates truth. We have a generation that wants to believe my truth is the truth. Listen, sometimes my truth is deception. I'm honest. I am grateful for a father that as a young man told me, Your thinking is wrong. You need to change. I am grateful for a dad that as I got older, has at times said, your thinking is wrong. You need to change. And truth has been essential for my life. It's been essential to build the man who stands here and preaches today. It is truth that is essential. If I want to live in my truth, oh my gosh, I'm a mess. And right across the room, You're the same. Because my truth tells me I can do whatever I want. I can live however I feel. I can outwork my life however I want. My truth says that. And my truth is destroying a generation. The brokenness you see today, if you want to know the cause, the cause is this. We have a generation that doesn't want truth, that doesn't want somebody to stop them in their tracks and say, that's wrong. You need to change. That thinking is broken. Shift it. 21st century culture doesn't want truth, but we need truth. And we need to rejoice in the truth. We need to rejoice in moments when love says, I love you too much 
to leave you in lies. I love you too much to leave you in wrong thinking. I love you too much to leave you just doing your own thing. Listen, I don't want to keep a record of wrongs, but if you continue on that path, oh, your life is filled with brokenness. Listen, I have had three sons in my life for the last 21 years, and unfortunately, they inherited the stubbornness of my wife and my father. And... (laughs) And they inherited that stubbornness. And truth sometimes is painful. If you look at my son Josh, wonderful young man, who's actually up speaking to the teenagers right now, speaking out of the same verse. And, and I love that about him. But he's hated truth sometimes. And I said, Josh, you need to change. You need to shift. You need to stop. You need to... He hates that. The... We love it from the pulpit. We love it in the Word of God. We love it when God speaks to our lives. We love it when the Holy Spirit comes. We love truth in who we are. We need to rejoice in truth. Listen, you know when you read a scripture like this, Paul is setting us up so bad. He's setting us up so bad. He's setting us up to go, I'm going to give you truth now. So bad. He goes on in verse 7. He says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Listen, this is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Word of God. This wraps back into what I started in verse 4. Love suffers long, or is interpreted, love is patient. Love bears all things. This word bears all things actually means to place a roof over and cover the things that happen around us. Love places a roof over the person we love and we cover them. Love believes all things. This word means to look for the best and have faith for the best in all things. Love hopes all things. This word hopes is an active outworking of that faith. I have an active outworking that faith that God's going to do something and change a person's life. Love endures all things, which means to remain under a load. Please do not hate me. But if you take this verse alone and you bring it to your marriage, I promise you, you will have a messed up, broken marriage. Because if you take this verse alone and says this, I'm going to bear everything that my partner ever does. I'm going to believe always for the best in them when they continue their bad behavior. I'm going to hope and pray that that behavior changes. And after 25 years of my husband beating me, 
I'm going to still love him and hope that he changes. After 25 years and 50 mistresses of my husband's, I'm going to believe that he's going to change today. If you believe that that verse alone, if you just get stuck there, I tell you, you're going to have the worst, most broken marriage with no love and just mess. Remember I said before, love must come both directions. Love must come both directions. If you're going to just take this verse alone and not bring it into the whole context, you are going to miss the power of what this verse is really trying to show us. Now, context is everything in the Word of God. The context to this is also wrapped up in the preceding three verses that lead us to this. And so we're going to, in a moment, bring this context. But the context to these statements, to cover. Love is to cover. The context of that statement has to be wrapped up with the rest of the Word of God. Can we do that for a second? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Listen, you can read this and misunderstand what Peter's saying as well. Love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. So if we bring this to friendship, marriage, relationships, and we bring it with a one-sided picture of this love relationship, I love, so I cover everything that the idiot that I'm loving does wrong. If we just come with that picture, oh, we're always going to have a messed up understanding of love. And you're going to have a messed up marriage. And your friendship is going to be somebody using you and abusing you and making life difficult. And we have this feeling that just I love them enough to cover everything. Listen, that's not what any of these writers are trying to show us here. If we're going to understand sin, we're going to understand what covers sin. Are they saying then people, when they sin, I love them, they're forgiven? That's actually totally out of context of the Word of God. The context of the Word of God is this. Humans aren't the one that forgives sin. I cover and forgive the sin of my wife. I I forgive her because it sets me free. But I don't free her with my love. It is Jesus' love that's freed her. And so we've got to come back and realize this. Listen, if we, if we look at Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3 says, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, verse 18, that Christ would suffer and thus has fulfilled. Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. What has blotted out and forgiven our sins? Jesus Christ upon the cross. What gives us access to that? Repentance. Is that saying sorry? No, repentance is not saying sorry. Repentance is a turning 180 degrees in a place of repentance and turning from my sinful actions. Listen, love can cover, but it needs a repentant heart and a turning from that sinful action. We're going to tie this all together in a second. I promise you, this is a powerful, powerful picture. Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed... For the remission of sins. Listen, I can love somebody. I can love them and I can love them and I can love them. And they can still go to hell because my love covers the sinful action in the moment. But it is the blood of Jesus Christ that brings remission for sin. It is Jesus' work in people's hearts and in people's lives and in people's minds that washes away the sin of their lives. James chapter 5 verse 20. Let him know that he who turns a sinner 
from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. Why why am I talking about this for a moment? Listen, the reason I'm talking about this is because I don't want us to get a wrong thinking of what it means to cover somebody else's sin. If we look at what James is saying, he's saying the greatest way to cover sin is through truth. Is to come back and say, listen, truth is this. You need to turn from what is destroying your life. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to care about you with all my heart. But unless you can turn from that, I'm going to love you from a distance. I'm going to care about you from a distance. Because right now your destruction is destroying you and it's starting to destroy me. It's now destroying our kids and it's destroying the world around us. So I need to love you from a distance. Please, I'm not condoning divorce. I'm not saying, hey, if there's love in the relationship and things are tough, I'm out. That's not what I'm saying. Because if we don't tie it all together, you'll think that's what I'm saying. Can I take a few moments here? Can I do this? Let me just use the whiteboard. Can anyone read that okay at all up on there? Uh, Sorry for my bad writing. Love suffers long. We got, why is that black with a red top on it? I picked the wrong one up, that's why. Love suffers long. Love is patient. We, we talked about the fact that that ties into bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. These ones tie together right here. They are the concept, the fact that love doesn't just quit when things get hard. Love doesn't just quit when Tim isn't being a good enough husband. Love doesn't just quit when, when well, I was going to say mayo, but that's not true. Love doesn't quit when Deb's not being good enough in that and mayo's perfect. Love doesn't just quit straight away. He talks about the fact that love does continue to press in. He talks about the fact that love hopes, love believes, love has faith. Love brings prayer to our marriage and to our situation. Love gets us to a place that the first response isn't, I'm out of this thing. My first response is, i got to pray. i got to believe. God, right now my husband's not behaving the way he should. Right now my wife's not outworking that. i got to pray. i got to believe. i got to press in. i got to stand. i got to hope in this. i got to know that, listen, they need a work of the cross in their life. They need the blood of Jesus Christ to wash over their thinking and renew their believing and to see change in who they are. I understand that. So he ties those things in together. He ties in love is kind. What is this? Whoops. This is our, our action word right here. The continued action of those things. He talks about not being envious and jealous. He does These ones he ties together. The parading, the self. It's not about self. It's not about the outworking of self. Love does not behave rudely. This one, self again. Does not behave rudely. Love is not provoked, doesn't get angry in the outworking of their life. Love thinks no evil. Can I, just for a moment, help me with my colours? I'm sorry, I love colours and I love what they do. Have I underlined them all? No, I haven't, not yet. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Uh, We are going to put that one in there together with that one just a little bit. Love rejoices in the truth as a standalone. Can we just... Look at this. He starts off here, says, suffers long, believes, hopes, endures. Again, if we keep this by itself, we have a broken, messed up relationship. But if we start to wrap it up with the thought, does not rejoice in iniquity, 
but rejoices in the truth. If you tie that with bearing together and you bring a couple together, what happens? A couple start to come together and realize, listen, I have to change my behavior because my wife has stood with me all the way through this. So my behavior now has to change so that we can meld together and stop pushing apart continually. I need to shift some of my thinking. Listen, if you tie these two together, not stand alone, not get caught at burying the dog, not stand alone. If you tie these two together, we now have a power for marriage because we're now, yes, I'm standing with you through the moments that you need to change. And in Wendy and I's marriage, both of us needed to change. For us to build a marriage together, we both did. So she bore with me whilst I changed. I bore with her while she changed. And together, as we changed and, and held on together, we did that. God built a marriage over time in a powerful way. Now, suffering long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. These two are counter each other. This, this envy, this, this passion that is evil in our lives is counter those two. But if we cover kindness over the envy and those things and our hearts begin to change. Listen, he, he is trying to give us a holistic picture. All of it is wrapped up right here. Love is never about myself. Did I break another mic? No, I didn't. Love is never, never about myself. If, if you keep this in a friendship, you will destroy a friendship. If you keep this hanging with work colleagues, your work environment will suck. If you bring this to a marriage, self, it will always be a mess. So when we start to wrap these all together, does not seek its own, back up there, does not behave rudely. Remember, this ties in with this iniquity and rejoicing in that. I, I, I say all of these and tie all these together to wrap up at the end here, doesn't think any evil. Listen, it is impossible to not think evil if your husband every day is being evil. He's not digging, she's not digging up the past if you continue with your bad behavior. If you can rejoice in truth, you can rejoice in the fact that I need to change. We all need to change. Listen, there's not a person in the room that comes into this place absolutely perfected, other than probably Wendy. The rest of us are pretty messy and have got stuff to change. And if we want love in our lives, we need to stand and have a look at this scripture and realize, man, Paul set us up so bad when he made that statement, we rejoice in truth. He set us up so bad because he set us up to realize that Yes, we love truth. But the truth is, I've got to stop rejoicing in my iniquity. I've got to start bearing with the other person that has just irritated me a lot. And I just, I've got to, I've got to start believing that God can actually do something. I've got to hope. And I, I, it's going to endure in the end. Listen, we've got to understand that these two have to tie together and not tie together from one side. It must be two-sided. Two-sided. Listen, if your marriage is tough today and things are difficult and you don't feel like you can get through it, Lean into somebody in this house that can walk with you, pray with you, believe with you, and then rejoice in the truth that they give you. I love it, that sarcasm, when somebody asks, Tim, can I have advice? 
and I give them advice, I say, yeah, I know. Oh, there's nothing more annoying to me than that. If you want advice, take my advice. Don't give me I know, because I know you don't, because I'm watching how you live in your life. You don't know. Listen, if you need change, go and ask somebody to help you change. If you're a young man in the room and you've been living that life I've talked about and you know it's time to change, get around a godly man that can stand by you and pray with you, help you break addiction off your life. If it's a pornography, if it's addictions to relational world, God can help change that. Listen, if you're a young woman in, the light, in this room and there's brokenness gathered around your heart and just your pictures for future relationships seem so impossible because you've never seen relationships that work together like this and you're just broken in your thinking, get alongside a godly woman in this house that can pray with you and see healing in your life, healing in your mind, see transformation around your thinking because I know this, this generation needs godly men and women, godly relationships because nothing speaks more powerfully to a generation of broken people than wholeness in people's hearts and in people's lives and in who we are. And Paul comes in verse 8, and he says, love never fails. Can I be really clear? Lust always fails. Lust always fails. Love never fails. Love doesn't. This doesn't fail. Holding on, believing, being in faith, changing your attitudes and behavior, getting rid of iniquity out of your life, making sure you're kind and making sure you stand there with the person that you love. Make sure that you're not just seeking your own. It's not about you. This doesn't fail. Outside of this, lots of marriages fail. But if we can bring ourselves to truth, it doesn't fail. Frederick uh, Buchner said this, Of all powers, love is the most powerful and the most powerless. It is the most powerful because it alone can conquer the final, most important, pregnable stronghold which is a human heart it is powerless because it can do nothing except by consent what a statement c.s lewis said this though our feelings come and go god's love for us doesn't listen if you want a picture of love open the book that's in your hand and read it it's the greatest picture of love it's wrapped up in jesus christ it's wrapped up in the fact he loves me and he loves you It's the greatest picture. It's a picture that we need to bring beside our marriage, bring beside our family, bring beside all those that are in our lives. And it's a picture that changes our hearts and our minds. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we finish here in prayer. Holy Spirit of God, Jesus, I thank you for your great love. I pray anyone in this room that's never encountered the love of God, that today they'd encounter it and they'd find it and they'd know it. And in it, they'd be set free, they'd be made whole, they'd be transformed. We thank you for that, Jesus. Your great love. Your great love. Why heads about and eyes closed? We close this service. If you don't know Christ, you're not walking in his love. But today you say, Pastor Tim, I want to just walk in the love of God. I want to know that love around my life. I'd love you just to give me a wave and say, yeah, I'm like that today. Pastor Tim, can you pray for me right in my seat? I need His love. I need His grace over me. I need it over who I am. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Quickly today, before we close this service, anyone like that right now? Pastor Tim, I just need that love. I need that grace. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for love. I thank you for the power of love.
I thank you for the whole picture that Paul gave us. And Jesus, it is all out work through the gospel and through you and what you did for us. If you're, if you're a husband and wife right now, just hold your husband and wife, grab their hand right beside you. My God, I thank you for every marriage in this room. My God, the ones that today are feeling easy and great. God, the ones that today may be a little tough. God, the ones that maybe there's some distance where the husband or wife is away. God, I pray for those marriages right now. God, I pray for your grace over all of us to rejoice in truth. Truth that's in your word that we can rejoice in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can lead us into truth, lead us to know love. God, that we can just let go of some of those records of wrongs. God, for those of us in the room that have struggled to change, where there's been addiction, my God, I pray that your grace would come and break the power of addiction. That those addictions would be broken off my God, that freedom could come into this room. Freedom could come into lives. Freedom could come into men. Freedom could come into women. My God, that oneness can come together with a beautiful picture that's in marriage. God, I pray for young men in this room that see a future of marriage. I pray that, my God, where there's been past brokenness, that you would come and bring healing to young men's lives healing to their thinking, healing to their believing. Young women in this room, where there's been abuse and brokenness and hurt that has come to your life, my God, I pray heal those hearts. Begin a journey of healing with your great grace. God, we praise you for that in Jesus' name. We thank you for all you do. The goodness of God that heals and delivers in Jesus' wonderful name. And all that agreed in the house said, I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.